G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Uh, We're going to talk bullying through this next hour and with reference to a new book that is out for uh, uh, young teenagers, pre-teens and teenagers. You know, for some kids, just walking through the school gates is a nightmare because of bullying. Well, our special guest through this coming hour experienced devastating bullying in his own childhood and has told his story hundreds of times to help young people. And now he's put everything he's learned into a novel for preteens and teenagers. It's called A Bully Named Nightmare. If you can't beat him, join forces. Well, in the book... The character Stevie comes off much worse than second best in a playground encounter with the kid they call Nightmare. His days, nights and everything else are turned upside down. Well, author Danny Graham is a registered psychologist and Christian school teacher. He teaches at St Peter's Anglican College in Batemans Bay in New South Wales and he's a member of the Southland Church in Batemans Bay. Danny, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. It's a privilege and pleasure to be here. So, Danny, your new book, well, congratulations. I know it's always a big work uh, workload to get a a book out, but uh, congratulations on that. Your your book, uh, A Bully Named Nightmare, it's for 11 to 14-year-olds. Let's get a little context here as to a particular age group you're targeting. Yes, I mean, the... Uh, the, the target audience is that 11 to 14 year olds, but the book was also written to help parents and teachers alike to better understand the impact of bullying on young people, as well as ways to support them. Uh, it's also, there is also a, for schools that I really hope uh, take it on and, uh, and uh, use it as a class novel. There's also a student workbook and uh, teacher's guide that they can download for free through 50 Days Press. Okay, so there's a number of dimensions here. So your novel isn't just for fun. Uh, It's not just lightweight. You've got intentions beyond just a little light read. Uh, There's all sorts of great opportunities here for schools to use this as a resource. Hey, give us some insight here. Uh, Prevalence of bullying in schools today. Just how widespread is it? Is it getting worse? Well, the the prevalence of bullying... um, it can be really quite a contentious uh, issue. A lot of schools can debate it. And obviously, the degree of bullying can vary from school to school. Some schools are handling the situations uh, very well, others not so much. But generally speaking, the uh, survey, a recent survey done by Make Bullying History reported that about 80% of students, that's four in five students, believe that bullying was a serious problem at their school. Uh, it was estimated that you know, around 2.3 million students are bullied um, every year in Australia. Uh, there, was a, there was a great report released by the Alana and Madeline Foundation uh, looking at Australian schools, and it found that there was 45 million incidents of bullying a year. Uh, so many students who experienced, uh, experienced bullying, this is something that they can face on a daily, uh, daily basis. So the, the problem can be really quite extensive. And while we're going to be talking about bullying at school, of course, bullying, if it happens at school, it certainly must extend way beyond school and into the workplace and into the communities we all live in. How do you uh, reflect on that, even though we'll talk about those teenagers and preteens, but reflecting on, you know, what happens when it just uh, gets out of control? Well, the, it, it's interesting um, when you look at a lot, of, a lot of parents, when we use that term bullying, they equate it uh, with the schoolyard. But as, you, as you're, you know, rightly say, Neil, uh, bullying happens throughout life, uh, in the workplace, in sporting situations, uh, obviously through social media. Uh, sadly, I, I think uh, the, the whole area of bullying is just another, uh, more evidence of, of, our, of our sin nature. Uh, so... The other thing is with with bullying, um, 
it's it can really extend way beyond those teenage years. There's uh, a lot of evidence uh, to show that um, people who are victims of bullying can still uh, be showing signs of that through depression or you know, lack of confidence or a variety of areas 40 years after the bullying occurred. So this is certainly not something which is just uh, you know, just a problem for our young people. We might get on to some of those consequences that extend, as you say, 40 years after the initial bullying. But when we're talking about the schoolyards, uh, we're talking with your book, uh, 11 to 14 year olds, but probably it starts way back into the preschool times. Uh, is this really more the, you know, the thought of if you're going to nip it in the bud, you've got to start really, really young? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's... Uh, I mean, although we, we say that there's uh, there's no single profile of a, of a young person or a person who starts bullying, uh, people who uh, start bullying can be well-connected socially or they can be marginalised, they can be, you know, come from affluent families or poor. Um, but in, in, in many cases, the bully themselves are the victim of bullying. And that's, uh, that's where it comes back to some of the things that we can see that... Um, generally affect all forms of bullying, whether it's in the preschool or whether it's in the high school or beyond. Uh, sometimes there can be underlying uh, mental health issues. Uh, anxiety and depression, for example, can present as anger or rage. So a person might be feeling very anxious, a young person. Uh, this could be someone in kindergarten. If they're feeling quite anxious about the situation, sometimes that might uh, present as them snapping out, lashing out uh, with someone. Uh, we could have behavioural disorders. Uh, we have, you know, obviously things like uh, conduct disorder or oppositional defiant disorder. Um, bullying in the home. If a, if a young person uh, you know, from a young age has seen uh, parents bullying them or if there's been siblings bullying each other or, or if it's just been glamorised, all these things uh, can certainly have an impact on how children behave. The lack of parent, uh, parental warmth or involvement. We, we live in a society, sadly, the, where we're all very busy. So sometimes kids just don't get that attention. So sometimes that lack of warmth from a young age can also feed into this. So there's a, there's a variety of things, uh, homes that where there's no rules, where it's quite permissive. We, you know, we talk about, we, you know, we can't love people out of a problem. Some, you know, I, I believe even biblically we need boundaries and guidelines uh, with parenting uh, and nurturing is important, but so are firm boundaries. Uh, very good, isn't it, to reflect on the fact that it's not just the schools, because a lot of people want to point the finger at the culture in the schools, uh, but of course what happens uh, starts in the home. But let me yes. just introduce, early in our conversation, this other dimension, of course, and so many of us uh, who are a little bit older might remember that Sunday school years were very important for learning some foundations, like do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, or love one another as you love yourself. Uh, those sorts of things, if you miss a foundation in your life as a child and uh, the Christ-likeness that contributes to the way we all get on as a society, if you miss that, aren't you setting yourself up for really extra bullying issues coming later on? Uh, any reflection there from you? Oh, ab absolutely. It's, it's funny, you know, um, speaking with uh, some older uh, people in our church, they talk about even when they were young, even if families uh, had no Christian um, affiliation, often they would still send the children along to Sunday school. And it was very much about this to get a, a solid moral uh, grounding. But I, I really feel as a society, um, not only have we moved away from that, in some cases, religions become a place where a lot of um, non-Christian families proactively avoid or boycott even. Um, but the sad thing is when you... Uh, that's created, I believe, a void. It doesn't mean that other other you know, non-Christians can't be moral. We know, obviously, they, they can, and we know that plenty of uh, parents out there are doing a great job. But the reality is, I believe something as, as basic that we are created in the image of God and that every single person who is breathing um, you know, should be loved and respected. I think that's something firmly grounded in Scripture and when we take that away, if we take it away from young people from young age and we say that they are just an accident of, uh, of evolution, uh, we take away purpose. And if we take away purpose, then we, then we can also then take away the, you know, the next step of, you know, what is, you know, what is right? What is truth? 
when things become relative, I believe that's a slippery slope. And I think as a society, we're seeing many of those things today. Well, as people drift out of church, uh, there's a certain sense if we recognise church really is an integral part of a community and family partnership. It takes a village to raise a child. And uh, church, out of the, uh, church out of the mix means you're actually missing one of the perhaps the most important dimension. As you say, interestingly, Danny, a lot of people used to send their kids to Sunday school because they thought, I'm not all very religious, but uh, at least they'll get a good moral grounding. And so without mm. that moral grounding, we're sort of missing something uh, in the whole issue of dealing with bullying. Hey, let me ask you your own story here, because we mentioned that there are some lifelong consequences of bullying. I wonder if you can let us in on your story. Yes, I mean, uh, for me, I was, I was raised in a totally non-Christian home. Um, so the God's name was never mentioned, never mentioned unless it was a, as a curse word. Uh, so I had no understanding at all of that God loved me or really uh, of what was right or what was wrong. But like many young people, uh, I attended a, a state school uh, in my area. And um, from a young age, I went along to school. It's not that I loved school, but I loved certainly spending time with my friends. Um, but then one day... Uh, something changed for me and it, and it is actually reflected um, in the book part of the book is some of my own experiences um, I was uh, attacked in front of uh, all my friends on the uh, at lunchtime on the school oval during a game of brandings and um, it's it's actually hard to put into word words how how distressing I remember that time of my life uh, like Stevie in the book I, I, I went from being this happy-go-lucky boy to being withdrawn depressed angry uh, constantly anxious uh, school became like a prison that I was forced to navigate each day just trying to work out ways where I could avoid the boy uh, hiding in the library withdrawing from sport uh, events that might bring me into contact with him um, this, so this wasn't just a, an isolated incident. For me, uh, I was very thin. I was very skinny as a young boy. So uh, this led uh, into you know, the young boy and others joining in, teasing me about, um, about my body, which then had spin-off effects in my teenage years. But the, the stress from being bullied, um, it, it permeated, it, it, influ it influenced every area of my life, my relationships with peers, my family, uh, as well as my mental health. And uh, although in, in, it, it also um, led me to see the importance of learning to be able to defend myself and, and uh, led me into training, I've trained in combat sports for many years now and eventually uh, attained my black belt. But for me, that, that emotional and psychological impact of those years, uh, it, it stayed with me long into adulthood. Uh, and it also, I believe, set me up. I was, you know, got involved with you know, drugs and alcohol uh, as in my later teenage years, and I think a lot of it led back to this sense of uh, of lack of self worth, not being happy with my body, uh, being being frightened so much of being a victim of bullying again that I started to try to you know, uh, you know, lash out or to to modify my own behaviour to to put on this persona of being uh, you know, tough and, and not frightened of, any, uh, of anything, but inside uh, I was a scared, you know, scared little boy. Well, Danny, your book title is called A Bully Named Nightmare. And I want to pick up on the rest of the title or a subtitle, If You Can't Beat Them, Join Forces. Is this part of a solution you're suggesting here, even in your title? If you can't beat them, join forces. What does that mean? <laughs> it's funny, you know, a lot of people have, have asked me the same question. Um, I mean, the, the book, it's, it not only focuses on Stevie, um, and uh, the book actually gives the reader insight into the thoughts and emotions of three groups of people. First of all, obviously, Stevie as the direct uh, victim of the bully, uh, but also indirect victims, Stevie's parents, uh, other students observing the bullying who uh, they fall into two categories of these students as they're watching, uh, watching Stevie being hassled and then other students being hassled. Students either decide to um, take sides with the bully, even though they don't agree with, uh, with uh, his behavior or 
uh, or what he's doing, but it's that old antage, you know, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So students, um, a number of them start to, they join forces with the bully. Um, but also, as you, as you read through the book, you, you see life through the eyes of the other, uh, I call the indirect victims, people who see things going on, seeing a culture in their school change, and they start to recognise that, when they're isolated, uh, and bullying does that, often uh, when a person is being bullied, and certainly that was for me, um, there's a tendency to withdraw yourself from everyone. I didn't trust anyone. Uh, I was worried that uh, you know, if I said something about the bully, that that might get back to them. So that isolation. But in the book, we uh, students start to recognise that when they band together, and I'm not saying band together to beat up the bully. It's not a case of, you know, you know get everyone together so we have more power than the bully but to recognize that uh, I mean you hit the head uh, the nail on the head before Neil when you're talking about it takes a village to raise a child but also I think um, in dealing with bullying uh, when a person tries to carry the load on their own without sharing it uh, with those not just adults but also friends around them uh, it's much more difficult and the book also um, focuses on, particularly as it progresses, it starts to give you insight into the bully himself. And we start to find out that, hey, um, when we when we look at his world and what he's struggling with, um, uh, he he is, in a sense, also a victim of bullying in, in at home. So the story isn't just that isolated. We are looking at joining forces, but I suppose the question is, um, you know, what, uh, what group are you going to join? Uh, and uh, what is your motivation behind that? A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking bullying and in a significant week, timely week, because uh, this week coming up uh, on uh, the weekend, uh, it's the National a day of action on uh, Friday. It's the National Day of Action Against Bullying and Violence on Friday, and National Day of Action also on Sunday. We're talking to the author today of a new book. His name is Danny Graham, registered psychologist and Christian school teacher. His book is called A Bully Named Nightmare. If you can't beat him, join forces. Let's talk about schools for a few minutes here, Danny, because if we're talking the context of bullying in the schoolyards, we might be relying on things happening at school to help uh, try and diffuse some of the situations with bullying. I know you're a advocate for a zero tolerance for bullying. Is that something that might be a good aspiration? Uh, well, f- for me, absolutely. It's Uh, I often say to my own students uh, at the beginning of each year, I say to them, you you will never hear me yell. I don't yell. Uh, And I'll say to my students, because I believe that uh, yelling is disrespectful. And I also throw in that I'm not your dad, so, or your mum. But I think, uh, although zero tolerance for bullying is hotly debated, and I'm, I think part of the problem is um, what actually zero tolerance means. So, for me, for schools, firstly, with 80% of students in schools across Australia saying they see bullying as a problem and some a significant problem in their schools, we shouldn't ignore the elephant in the room. Um, I believe that, um, for me, zero tolerance, it, it doesn't mean that we support the victims of bullying and simply punish those who bully others. As we said before, often bullies themselves can be the victims of bullying. Um, but to me, zero tolerance means that we that schools in particular don't turn a blind eye and ignore the problems of bullying in uh, in, in the classroom or in the playground. As a, as a classroom teacher, obviously, um, it's you know when you, when you're trying to keep your eye on you know you know 26 plus students and at the same time you know communicate the the, the curriculum across. Um, it's it's easy to see how people could. Uh, miss some of the subtleties of bullying but the reality is if we ignore bullying the young people going to school once they're experiencing those things we're going to see significant impact on not only their behavior but also their learning so I think zero tolerance for me schools need to be constantly proactively looking at ways how they can keep our young people connected encouraged safe Um, and that can be done in a variety of ways in and out of the classroom 
I imagine there's all sorts of professional development that must go on for school teachers. Uh, does much of it come around this issue of bullying? <coughs> Sorry, Neil. Um, the reality is, I, I, it's it's a bit like how long's a piece of string. For some, in some schools who um, are right onto the whole bullying issue, there's often a lot of professional development. But I think, um, in general. Uh, although we can talk about bullying and we can look for the overt signs, pushing or you know, on the playground fights or uh, aggression, <clears throat> the, it's important for teachers to understand the subtleties of uh, the results of bullying. What, what does a young person look like when they're depressed? What does the young person look like when they're experiencing anxiety? Because uh, students can become masters, uh, master chameleons. For for me, when I was younger, and I've seen this for over 30 years in, in different quarters of my psych practice or in, in schools, etc., often young people are so ashamed of what's going on, they proactively hide uh, what's going on. So, so teachers, in a sense, need to be, and part of the professional development, I think, is lacking in this area, they need to be detectives. They need to be able to understand um, what does depression look like in a young person? Um, what does anxiety look like? So that we can be on to those things. And of course, some kids handle bullying better than others. And is there also this sort of natural uh, hierarchy that develops? And I'm thinking particularly of boys. And uh, when I was at school, there was a sort of a hierarchy that sort of develops within uh, school life. Uh, all sorts of things that are dynamic in the way children are going through those, uh, especially into those pre-pubescent and into those teenage years. Uh, all sorts of issues there. Is some of this natural and, uh, you know, you can try and stamp out things that ought to be happening? Um, you're exactly right, Neil. But, uh, bullying itself, um, if I separated bullying from, uh, from a, a hierarchy situation that naturally occurs, if you think... Uh, in virtually all quarters of life, including in the Bible, we, we, we see that God has set up a hierarchy. For argument's sake, parents, uh, we, we love our children, but we also uh, we also have authority over them. And there's, uh, we see even in the military, you, you'll see a, a hierarchy. So hierarchies are very normal, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and for students to uh, and young people to be able to explore and develop uh, where they fit within a, a, a hierarchy is a very normal and healthy part of development. Where it becomes a problem is when uh, one student to take their place in the hierarchy uh, crushes another student. When one person says, uh, I want to be on top, and in order to do that, I have to basically um, destroy uh, any other person's confidence or opportunities to even get close to me. That's when uh, that, that normal, natural hierarchy, uh, which again uh, can be, can be, is not only natural, can actually be you know, very helpful. I mean, we know that as Christians, I mean, for myself, like at, at, at church, at, uh, I'm under the authority of Garen and Cassia as, as the pastors, uh, and I, you know, I, I happily submit to their authority. Uh, but they, as as the leaders, are also what Christ would teach us, uh, have a servant attitude. So, as Jesus said, whoever wants to be first needs to be last. Bullying doesn't do that. Bullying, uh, it's all about power and control. So all those things, unfortunately, uh, can go out the window. Uh, wonderful to talk about power, and no doubt there are some deep dimensions uh, we could dive into around power, power and control, because Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, uh, become the servant. And Absolutely. there's something very special about our faith, about this dimension that we can talk about when it comes to addressing bullying, because having a right idea, a biblical idea of how that power ought to work, power to serve rather than to bully, uh, that's got to be a, a good uh, you know, a differentiation to make, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and if you think even in the home, from a young age, uh, I mean, I have three sons, they're all grown up now, and um, but I have three boys. If from a young age uh, my children observed me 
being uh, bullying my wife, being aggressive toward her, being, uh, although as I would say as the, as the husband, uh, I'm the head of the household, but as you rightly said, Neil, that meant for me as a Christian that I should serve and love my wife, I should serve and love my children. Um, so I think, but if children, if, if that behaviour is not modelled, uh, if it's uh, if it's uh, my way or the highway, or there's um, if it, if a person doesn't measure up, whether it's the you know, whether it's the mum or the dad or the child, if those things are berated, uh, if grace isn't modelled uh, in the you know, in in the home, all those things start to have a run-on effect. I mean, we can say what we like to our children, we can take them to church every week, we can put them in Sunday school. But our children are uh, very much looking at us. What are we modelling as Christian parents? So there's natural behaviours that will sort kids out uh, in all sorts of ways that might even be stressful and they might not be altogether bad uh, in growing our resilience. Uh, There's some words you like uh, to use, belonging and courage and this word resilience. Uh, Those are the sorts of things that need to grow naturally and uh, as I imagine as parents and as school teachers, uh, you want them to be able to nurture those things to come along in in a natural way. You're you're exactly right, Neil. But what I often say to to, you know, to families and uh, is that belonging, courage, and resilience they don't magically happen. They don't just happen in a vacuum. These qualities they that they need to be nurtured and they develop over time. Um, but in order for them to develop, they uh, young people need to feel safe. They need to feel uh, they need to be existing in an, in an environment at home and in the classroom, in the playground that allows them to uh, to be courageous, to try something without fear of uh, of ridicule or or, or a, a negative consequence that is overwhelming. And unfortunately, I find and uh, and I mean this respectfully to our you know to our Christian uh, families out there. Often I hear in, in Christian circles, I've had parents say to their son or daughter, just ignore the bully, just walk away from the problem. Um, but the truth is, it's never that easy, even for adults. I mean, um, in order for people to become, uh, bel- to, to feel that they belong, to be resilient, to have that courage, uh, there's key things we have to do. I mean, Beyond Blue, uh, from a secular perspective, they've they identified five key strategies for building resilience in children. Uh, the first one was helping them to build good relationships with others. Uh, and to do that, children need to see what our, what are our relationships as adults like with others? What do we model? Danny, uh, we might pick up on some more of yep. those points after Vision National News. We're about to go to news. In fact, Danny, let's take a call. Wendy is on the line from Casino in New South Wales. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Look, I just love this subject that you're talking about today because I was a school chaplain for six years in my little town in Casino and I found that that was probably the biggest challenge that so many children faced. And In fact, you know, I've just put my book out, um, my, my memoirs, and one of the things I said was, if there's one thing I could change in schools, it would be how to overcome bullying because to me that was the most the biggest challenge and, and one of the things I well I found two things I wanted to say one of the bad things was that so many kids just moved from one school to another to get away from bullying without really learning how to resolve it but I wanted to tell you a good thing that I found too which which I found was very useful there was one boy there in one in my school that um that really did have a strange shape he, he shaped a bit like a duck and he, he sort of wobbled, and, and I looked at him and thought, my goodness, he must get bullied, but he never ever came to see me. And one day I saw him, and kids were, were giving him a bit of a joke, and what I found he did, which was amazed me, was he just played their game, and he started going quack, 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 and laughing at them, and, and they all stopped. And I okay. thought, well, there's one way of overcoming bullying, isn't it? That's if you can't beat them, join them. That's uh, fabulous <laughs> insights, Wendy. Let's get a thought or two from Danny. Danny, uh, interesting stories Wendy's telling. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you, Wendy, for calling in. Um, and, and, and it's true. I mean, we, we do know that uh, for some students, then when they see a person who doesn't uh, react to the taunting, some students um, move on and perhaps, for the, particularly if that's what they're looking for, if they're looking for just to get a reaction from uh, from a young person. So certainly uh, as one strategy, um, you know, that can be certainly helpful. 
Also, I think another thing uh, which leads into the same thing, Wendy, is that um, I think sometimes we've got to be careful that we don't take ourselves too seriously, that um, that it's it's quite a, uh, a sign of maturity when we can have a bit of a giggle uh, at ourselves. I think it becomes it only becomes a problem when students, uh, their intention uh, isn't just to, you know, uh, to get a reaction or to have a laugh, but when their intention is, is more malicious, that, uh, that the bullying becomes much more hurtful and problematic. Okay, Wendy, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Kate is in Townsville in Queensland. Hello, Kate. Welcome. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Kate. Kate, great to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Uh, I just wanted to honour you both for covering such an important topic and also just to cover it and acknowledge the complexities of it. It's such a, a common issue that I find can be dealt with fairly superficially and as Danny was saying with the whole, you know, just don't listen to them or ignore them or walk away, I think that's something that really needs to be acknowledged and the children need to be equipped with um, in a better situation and better foundations. I mean, I'm dealing with that probably not just in the school system but also with my own children um, due to a complex family situation. So I just find that the modelling is important, obviously, in the home and everything like that, but also equipping them to deal with it so we're not doing, as Wendy was just saying, some students moving from different schools to avoid the issue, but equipping them while still um, validating what they're going through as well, I think is an important part of part of the journey. Wonderful. Kate, a thought or two from Danny? Yes, thanks, Kate, for calling in. My, uh, my mother and uh, sister live up in uh, sunny Townsville, so, um, so welcome from, from there. Okay, Kate, a couple of things I, I agree with you. I, I think it's sometimes I, I even find with uh, not, just fa- not just families but also teachers, sometimes a fast, quick answer like, you know, walk away or just ignore them, I think can be more about, um, you know, that parents or teachers sometimes don't know how to deal with the situation, so that becomes a fast, pat answer. Uh, and it's and again, it was one of the one of the key reasons writing the book, and and uh, and again, keen for uh, for schools to take it up as a, as a classroom novel, because I think I mean, and the research is pretty solid. Young people, when they have the opportunity to uh, to walk through a situation, to explore it in a safe environment, which the book does through the eyes of Stevie, uh, it gives the it gives the people doing the taunting insight into what the other person might feel. Uh, it walks them through the practical things of that uh, it's not just walking away. Sometimes you might retreat somewhere safe, but if that's your only string to the bow, then you're going to have some problems. So the book walks uh, walks teachers through things that they could do in the classroom um, and also for a whole school, how when we ignore the problem of bullying, it can start literally with a new student coming to the school, uh, which happens in the book. But within a short space of time, unless it's addressed, it changes the entire culture. Uh, and that becomes very problematic for, uh, for teachers uh, and families alike. Kate in Townsville, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Uh, one listener who called through didn't want to go to air. The listener question was, how can we protect our children from online bullying that can spread much further than the playground? And that, of course, sometimes is an issue we might talk about on its own, online bullying and issues around social media. But uh, does your book tackle any of that, Danny? The, the book doesn't, uh, doesn't have a complete section addressing the, the online bullying, although it, it certainly is mentioned, uh, including just the whole access to social media. Uh, but, but I think social media has opened up areas to do with bullying that, uh, that become quite problematic. A young person, for, a, for argument's sake, when I was younger, and uh, obviously I'm uh, getting uh, on in years now, but when I was younger, when I went home, when I was experiencing bullying, although I would still think about what was going on uh, at the day or what might be facing me tomorrow, young people today, the bullying can actually follow them home through their device, so on their, you know, on, on social media. So uh, it's certainly become a more problematic uh, and widespread problem. But the research also tells us that people who get bullied online are often bullied um, by the same people at school. 
and also people who bully others online often bully others at school so um, so the technology side uh, you're right Neil is a, is a huge area and definitely would you know, require some some time to spend just on that but I would say that by by homes and schools addressing uh, and equipping our young people to deal with uh, these strong emotions and to deal with bullying, those same skills can be transferred to online. So in your book title, A Bully Named Nightmare, if you can't beat them, join forces. Those forces you join, those support people that are around you, uh, it happens at school, but it can follow you home. Those support uh, networks are so important wherever you might be. Absolutely, Neil. I mean, and that's that's the reality uh, for if we have a young person who uh, has an active and, and positive support network in the classroom and in the playground, so at school, when they go home, often uh, the young people then are communicating via their social media in those same groups. And when you have, uh, if you have a another person who uh, starts to cause them grief uh, online, those established networks at that point become extremely important because um, if someone says something mean about you online, which we know with our keyboard warriors out there who think they can get away with, you know, with lots of things and often sadly do, um, when they say something mean, if we've got a supportive uh, in, you know, group around us, uh, whether they're face-to-face or online, our friends can then say, hey, listen, ignore that, you know, they don't know you. Uh, I mean, I've had uh, experiences where people have said mean things online. I won uh, two Australia Day Awards some years ago, and I had some people who didn't know me at all but were very anti-Christian uh, uh, and very anti-Scripture uh, in schools, and I was teaching Scripture in, in schools at that stage. Um, but the encouraging thing for me was when these people started to attack me online, lo and behold, I had a stack of other students who I taught over the years. They then started to defending me online. So... Um, but that only happened because those established networks uh, were developed face to face. That could be then uh, to be then spill over into the into the virtual world. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take some more calls. Heather is in Dolby in Queensland. Hi, Heather. Hi. Heather, what are your thoughts? Um, I have kind of, kind of have a twofold question for you, Danny. Um, yep. My daughter is the primary girls captain at a Christian school here in town. Um, I'm very proud of her for being in that position. And part of the reason she's in that position is because she's a very sensitive girl who has a heart for unity within her fairly catty age group. Um, My questions are this. Firstly, how do I help protect her from the cattiness that is within that group um, and secondly, she has this heart for unity within her age group and the primary school with her position as primary captain. How do I, is there any sort of practical tips that I can encourage her to try within that group, within her role as captain? Um, is there a way I can encourage her to develop unity? Danny. They're great questions, Heather. First of all, thank you for calling in. Um, and congratulations to your daughter for the captain. You'd be the proud mum, so well done well done for that. <laughs> she couldn't understand why I got so proud. <laughs> <laughs> Often our kids can't. But, but a couple of things. First of all, how, how to protect uh, your daughter. Uh, and... Um, Often, particularly in those tween and uh, teenage years, there can be a lot of cattiness, which is an, an, an unfortunate fact. So in some cases, um, parents, I think, can make a fundamental error of, uh, and, and I think um, Kate had touched on this before, by um, moving schools. Um, but the reality is that type of behaviour is always going to be there. It's, it's something you know, that's just going to follow. So I think the first thing is is to equip the young person um, it's a bit like having a flu shot. We get the flu shot to inoculate us, to make us stronger when we're facing something like, you know, like the flu. To me, uh, one of the key things for parents that they can do uh, is to um, cultivate a sense of belonging in our children. And, and I know many parents say, well, you know, I love my kids. But uh, I would be saying it's so important, particularly in those preteen and early teen years, 
for parents to to be proactive, continually reminding their young people of how happy they are, uh, how proud we are of them, um, that they, that we see them as a blessing from God. Because the unfortunate part is they are going to face lots of knocks in the world. Uh, and in fact, uh, Heather, in the book, um, in, in this book, we target that exact thing. Stevie, the, the mother, desperately wants to support her young person. And there's a bit of a battle going on there. But, uh, but Stevie himself starts to get a bit of a life. Um, he starts to take, has have a leadership role thrust upon him where he starts to, um, as, as, as people start to see him do practical things standing up to the bully, he then starts to inspire the whole school. Uh, and slowly, um, you know, bit by bit, as, as people start to look toward him and be inspired by him, and as Stevie is also growing in confidence, practicing a lot of skills to do with resilience and, and practicing courage, learning that courage is not the absence of fear. And it's, a, it's actually a quote from the book. Uh, Stevie thinks that being courageous means that you don't experience fear. And I, I think uh, as both a parent and as a psychologist, I would say to my own children and other uh, students I've worked with, uh, fear is a very, very normal experience. We're always going to feel that, but courageous people don't allow fear to rule over them. So, to normalise for your daughter that it's it's normal to be to be nervous uh, about you know, about what other people are doing, but at the same time, for you reminding uh, reminding her that she's loved by God, that you're proud that she belongs to you, but also that God has a purpose for them. I think our young people today exist in a world where the media thrusts on them from day one that that there's no hope for the future, that they're an accident of evolution. Uh, We need to remind our children that uh, that, the problems that they face, that God is with them. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has plans for them, the plan to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. I think if, as parents, if we focus on keeping our connection with our young person as uh, and working on it all the time, supporting them, allowing them to feel that it's okay to get scared, allowing them to feel that it's normal to get down sometimes, but at the same time, uh, making sure that they feel connected to us and recognize that these things will pass, but the only way things change is that when we do something. Uh, and I believe God will be with us, but he also calls us to do, uh, you know, to do certain things, to live our life certain ways. So um, I hope that's a little bit helpful for you there, Heather. Heather, thank you so much for your call. I'll farewell to you and we'll take as many calls as we can. Let's take another one. James is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hi, James. Welcome. Hey, Neil. Yeah. James, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah I just uh, yeah, I've, I've experienced many nightmares in my life. Um, I guess that old saying that uh, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I learnt very at an early age that words hurt more than the the sticks and stones. Yes. But um, I was thinking about the uh, testimony of David Wilkinson, who said a school bully was picking on him, and and he prayed, and God gave him a verse: "Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit," saith the Lord. And, he went to school and this big bully had been picking on him and he, and he just stood on that promise. He didn't say anything and that, that mighty bully who everyone knew and feared fell to his knees and just started crying and, and I heard that in my later years but I, I just I wanted to thank God for my mother who said I was a Christian and because and of her saying I was a Christian I went to RE and they taught me about the, the Good Samaritan and, um, and they taught me about David and Goliath. So you were talking about standing but also mm. the compassion. Having a yes. compassion for that person at the same time as you stand, uh, I think is a key for me now at this age of my life because I, I often thought about getting into fighting and doing that, but then I discovered that in Christ, because of David Wilkins' t- testimony, that I could do it in the spirit and I didn't have to fear or be afraid because I could trust and rely on him. James, wonderful thoughts. Uh, a, a thought or two from Danny. Yes, James. I mean, first of all, again, thank you for calling in. And, and I totally agree. I mean, there's... Uh, those two areas are so important that uh, that when we stand, we stand in the strength of the Lord, and that's that's so true. And I think again to remind our young people uh, of that fact, uh, and and certainly from from the compassion side, that uh, that you know God calls us to have compassion on others. Um, I mean, but t- 
to, to sort of play devil's advocate there, uh, James, and forgive forgive the the phrasing. But so, sometimes I've said to parents, um, what would have happened if the Good Samaritan arrived five minutes earlier when the Good Samaritan was being set on by uh, by the people who were attacking them? Would the Good Samaritan have stood by and 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 did you know, and and do nothing? And again, it's something that I really struggled with though, when I became a Christian at age 19 uh, to, because I, I, I trained for many years uh, in, in the area of self-defense. What did I do with that? And, and again, it's, it's not an easy issue and I, uh, I certainly admire um, you know, men like uh, David Wilkinson and others who have, uh, you know, who have taken that stand and without any forms of, uh, of physical intervention. But, but I think um, I worked in Africa for back and forwards for five years, some years ago, up on the border of South Sudan, northern Uganda, um, with uh, and and came into contact with a lot of uh, ex-child soldiers. And 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 the tragedy of that sometimes in life, um, um, being compassionate and protecting someone may call at times for us to go that next step and to be a physical protector. But it's it's a very complex issue. But uh, certainly, um, you know, God can do amazing and does amazing things uh, without us even, yeah, even doing anything in some occasions. James, thank you so much for your call. Let's try and squeeze in one more. Gail is in Woodenbong in New South Wales. Hi, Gail. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning to both you lovely gentlemen and, and listen regularly to the show and get heaps from it. That's um, great. <laughs> Just um, listening to Heather, I think her name was, whose daughter is a primary school captain, um, I just flew inside to my library and grabbed a book which, as a school chaplain um, of 12 years at Woodenbong, really helped a heap of girls struggling with this mean girl issue. So uh, may I suggest the title of the book? Yes, absolutely. What is it? <laughs> so it's called Mean Girls, um, Facing Your Beauty Turned Beast by Hayley DeMarco. Okay, and uh, and there's a certain uh, dimension here that uh, bullying at school might look different for boys than it does for girls, and so uh, yes. this is a particularly yes. uh, girl-focused book you're talking about. Yes, it certainly is, and I I had quite a few high school girls who came to me over the years and um, shared their struggles, their their battles, their tears, and um, this book was given to me by a, a Christian friend, and I and she just said, give this. To anyone that you like, I don't want it back. And the girls testified to the great help that it was. Okay. What's the name of it again, Gail? It's called Mean Girls, Facing Your Beauty Turned Beast by Hattie DeMarco. Uh, Fabulous. Uh, Danny, uh, all sorts of books that might be available on the market... Absolutely. Uh, so far as, uh, you know, if you find ones that are uh, outstandingly good value, you want to be able to pass those on where there are families that need those sorts of insights. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and Gail's exactly right. The, uh, how we sometimes what the, the bullying that we see in girls can be uh, you know, more catty or, or a lot of social exclusion. Uh, and one thing that uh, St Peter's Anglican College, where I work, one of the things that uh, Paula Wicks, the head of junior school, has uh, just uh, just you know, put in place is a buddy system, where the uh, year 11 girls uh, at the college buddy up with the years, the stage three, so the years five and six girls, and help them to navigate uh, a whole range of issues to do with um, obviously the changes in their body, but also how to manage some of these issues that come up when uh, when people are catty and mean toward them. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a, that's what I say. It's, a, it's not a. There's no one size fits all solution, uh, and I think when we all work together, getting back to what you said before, Neil, it takes a village to to raise a, a young person. Uh, I think when we all work together, um, we get a better outcome. Gail, thank you so much for your call. And time's run out. Uh, Danny Graham has been our guest this past hour. This conversation will be on a podcast a little later on. It might be one that you might like to share with uh, families in your own network, uh, in your own community, perhaps in your own church. You know they're going through some issues around bullying. Uh, Danny teaches at St Peter's Anglican College in Batemans Bay. He's also a member of Southland Church in Batemans Bay. And the book itself, it's called A Bully Named Nightmare. If you can't beat him... 
Join Forces. It's published by 50 Days Press. And uh, when you uh, are appreciating uh, the book launch, in fact, as I understand it, the book is being launched tonight. Is that right, Danny? That's correct, Neil. It's, uh, there's a virtual launch tonight, uh, and then there's going to be a, a face-to-face, um, uh, not so much a launch, but an author event uh, a week from today. Where, um, and, the, and the book's also um, um, now being carried by Kurong Books as well. So if you can get it through 50 Days Press or through Kurong, uh, the Christian bookshop. And timely because uh, being launched in the lead up to the National Day of Action Against Bullying and Violence on Friday and uh, the National Day of Action on Sunday. Uh, yes. Now, getting a hold of your book, I know it's available from online booksellers like yep. Book, Booktopia. You mentioned yep. uh, Kurong. Do you yep. have a website of your own that people could connect directly with you, Danny? I, no, but I am on Facebook. Uh, so um, prior, prior to the book launch, uh, I used to give a, a lower profile on a lot of social media, uh, including um, websites and that, because uh, when I was in private practice as a psychologist, often you'd get... Uh, a whole range of complications with that. So uh, I am uh, now on Facebook, so please feel free to look me up on on Facebook. Uh, It's under Danny Graham, and I'm the bald guy with the big white beard uh, on the the image. But, yeah, it's really look forward to uh, not just the launch, but also I'm really keen, Neil, for schools to take on board uh, because when a class novel is read... uh, as it can become uh, an opportunity for students to be able to discuss it and bounce ideas. And, and I think it's part of this whole school approach uh, that not just uh, a book read in isolation, but a, a book that can be discussed, worked through. Uh, and uh, it also walks schools through how to set up a, a whole school approach against bullying. So I'm passionate. So I pray that God will bless it. Some tremendous dimensions to your book, Uh, not just a novel for the kids to read, but a practical guide on what works and what doesn't. You can find Danny Graham on Facebook, uh, the bald guy with the big white beard. Uh, It's a good way to describe (laughs) yourself, Danny. And uh, you can find it at Coorong or at Booktopia. Danny Graham, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Absolutely my pleasure, Neil, and thank you for the invite to talk. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.